0: Again, the URL is unchangedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside
1: scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Smart contracts are on the rise, and that trend will only continue. Security has become an absolute necessity, and Quantstamp is the standard for smart contract security for the blockchain. With a team of security experts dedicated to defeating the bad actors, Quantstamp is the gold standard for safer, more reliable smart contracts. Find out more at quantstamp.com. Your branding and website are the first things your audience will see. In the ever-expanding world of ICOs and blockchain startups, you need to stand out from the pack. OnRamp is a full-service creative and design agency that will help you amplify your brand with a perfect website, logo, collateral, or custom design project. Get big results in no time by visiting ThinkOnRamp.com.
0: My guest today is Trisha Martinez, director of the Dalla Foundation and founder and CEO of Walla. Welcome, Trisha.
2: Hi, thanks so much for having me here, Laura.
0: On my other show, Unchained, people have been talking a lot about whether or not there's real adoption yet of crypto, or if it's all just speculation. And I know you have a budding crypto project in Africa that seems to have gotten at least some traction from users. What is Walla?
2: Yeah. So first there's Walla and Dala. So Dala is the first open source multi-chain crypto asset that can be used to transact on a number of blockchains, actually. So we've built more than just a cryptocurrency. Dala is this decentralized financial system, which actually enables consumers to earn in Dala, save in Dala, borrow in Dala, and transact. And we launched uh, the, the dollar cryptocurrency because of a massive problem we saw in the market. So Walla is actually the first major contributor to dollar's open source development. It's the first application to enable the use of dollar for transactions and peer-to-peer transfers. Uh, and it's a zero-fee financial services app for emerging markets. So for over five years, I've been working in, Uga- in, in Africa. My initial market that I targeted was Uganda. Long story short, there. Are so many problems with the financial systems in Africa. And we saw that cryptocurrency was actually the tool to start driving a revolution within these industries to put more power back into the hands of consumers.
0: It's super interesting. Before we dive even further into dollar and Walla, I actually want to ask about the multiple blockchains part. Is it just a certain number of them? Or is it like interoperable across all? Or how does that part work?
2: Yeah, so we actually, as a team, came to the conclusion that, you know, there's going to be a handful of blockchains that end up really being the leaders in this space. And, you know, we're an ERC-20 token, so we operate on top of the Ethereum blockchain. We use it for smart contract capability, but Ethereum was never designed as a micropayments mechanism. And there are side uh, scaling solutions, but they're nowhere near where they need to be. And that's when we started actually looking at Stellar. Um, It was designed for emerging markets. It's a a payments blockchain solution. And we actually announced a few weeks ago our partnership with Stellar. So we'll be using them for payments. And and we've decided that we actually can expand our, our strategy of multiple blockchains depending on use case that we have. So not many companies are in the space are doing this yet. But we see this as a great opportunity to maximize on the best blockchains in the ecosystem.
0: Smart. So to go back to Dala, how are people using it? You're saying that they're using it to save and transact. Like, why can't they just do that with Bitcoin or Ether?
2: Yeah, so maybe it will help to provide some context around just emerging markets in general. So, so the, the problem is, is that emerging market finances are broken. The existing solutions were never designed for these consumers. So in these markets, rather than a traditional savings and loans model that we have with banks, uh, these banks and mobile money operators actually run fee driven revenue models. So it disincentivizes consumers from participating in the system, which is why, for example, we still see 94% of transactions in Africa conducted in cash. So we saw this was, you know, the infrastructure, the payment rails, they're very poor, they're expensive, they they won't work for these consumers. So we started looking at Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, but we quickly discovered that they were actually probably worse than the existing services. So, Bitcoin in itself, you know, it's, it takes too long to transact with and it's too expensive, even with the Lightning Network and other scaling solutions. The problem is, is that the behavior that these consumers have is around micropayments. So, on average, they're spending less than 80 cents US dollars to send money, to transact and purchase products. So, the concept of Bitcoin is just too valuable and it's not really accessible to a lot of these consumers, not to mention, you know, the lack of, ex- of exchanges in these markets and liquidity and the lack of, um, you know, user-friendly products and services where consumers can, you know, use Bitcoin and no merchants and retailers are really accepting it throughout the continent.
0: Interesting. And so how does Dallas solve those issues?
2: So that's when, you know, we, we, Saw the opportunity to start designing a financial system that was actually meant to be designed for these consumers, and that's that's been the biggest problem. Like I said, the emerging market finances are broken, and and the opportunity is is massive. So we wanted to create a system that is borderless by nature, is can enable instant, near free or zero free transactions, and is more than just a payment mechanism, right? So. We could, you know, support a medium of exchange, but it's more than that. We wanted consumers to be able to access credit, to to be able to borrow money uh, from people around the world in a more efficient way, to be able to earn a new currency in in more compelling ways. And so, we're really building out this this network and this infrastructure so that so that consumers can start participating at a completely different level, and that there's no more middlemen taking control of their money, their assets, or having significant influence in in their financial lives. So I'm assuming
0: when you were talking about some of the issues with having them use Bitcoin and stuff that you've designed this to have, let's say, smaller block times. And as we've seen with fees, that depends a lot on the usage of the system and how uh, much demand there is. So how can you be so certain that the fees will always remain so low on Dala?
2: Well, so you know, when we issued Dala Bitcoin, like the Lightning Network, Raiden Network with Ethereum, they were, you know, there were talks about it, but it still wasn't in development, and it still wasn't there. So that's when we said, now is the time to design something for these consumers. Um, we can't just keep around, keep waiting for something to be built, um, because honestly, down the road, Bitcoin could still be. The right solution for consumers, maybe it will work, but at the current state of its form, it's just not the right solution for emerging market consumers. And and for Dala, that you know, the reason why we issued on Ethereum was because we were gravitate we gravitated towards the developer community. We knew that whenever you have large amounts of developers building on top of something, innovation happens a lot faster. But again, we saw that there was opportunity with Stellar um, to actually provide these low cost of micro micro transactions uh, because Stellar was really much more designed around the financial use case than anything else. So, you know, things can change over time, but we expect that as the market continues to grow, as more consumers start adopting and utilizing the asset, um, that the value um, will stay within this ecosystem.
0: And you don't worry that as Stellar gains more usage, if it does, that that would lead those fees to be higher and therefore those types of transactions to be priced out?
2: So there are, of course, there are fees in the network and that's how the system stays sustainable. But the way, what's interesting about the Walla and DALA use case is that DALA is this, this network, this ecosystem that we're building out. Walla is the one who's bringing this cryptocurrency to market so users utilize the Walla application. Walla operates essentially as a relayer of, this financial, of these financial services. And so the Walla business model focuses on the fact that we want to do zero fees. So we cover any remaining costs for those consumers and we just see it as, as an operational expense, a marketing expense, because we really believe that you know near free zero fee is the way that you're going to drive true change and adoption in these markets.
0: Great. We're going to discuss how users are actually using this
1: system, but first a quick word from our fabulous sponsors. OnRamp is a full service creative and design agency that has helped numerous companies, including many in the blockchain and crypto space, maximize their brand awareness, gain traction, and accelerate growth. Whether you're a startup company launching a new brand or an established brand exploring a new campaign, OnRamp has you covered. OnRamp has a passion for boosting business results and can help with everything from logo and website design to full creative execution. Focus on your core technology and leave the rest to OnRamp. To learn more and see how they've helped passionate entrepreneurs achieve their dreams, go to thinkonramp.com. Imagine this. You dedicate countless hours of hard work to creating a smart contract only to be hacked in mere minutes. If you think that can't happen, think again. We hear that $10 billion has been raised through smart contracts, but over $300 of that has already been compromised. Hackers are hungry for more, so security is not just critical to your success, it's an absolute necessity. And that is where QuantStamp, the standard for smart contract security, comes in. With a team of security audit experts dedicating to defeating the bad guys, the Quant stamp of approval is your solution for safer smart contracts. Find out how we can be the gold standard for security at quantstamp.com.
0: I'm speaking with Trisha Martinez of Dala Foundation and Walla. So walk me through what it looks like when a consumer is using the Walla app with the Dala network.
2: Yes, great question. So, you know, I'll start out with kind of just giving some context about where we're at. So a few months ago, we launched wall and dollar together in South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Uganda. And, you know, we were expecting consumers to start using the app because there was a great value proposition of zero fees when they're normally used to paying extremely high fees to transact and send payments. And in just a few months, we had incredible growth and what we see as true adoption. So over $100,000 wallets were created. We processed over $2.5 million transactions and what users can do today is essentially they, you know, they download this Walla app. They have the ability to purchase Dala. So they now have a Dala wallet where Dala sits in. They can spend Dala on value added services in the apps. For example, mobile data for their phone, electricity for their house, satellite TV. And they can also send Dala peer to peer payments in country or cross border. And this all happens in silly and at no cost for them.
0: And so when you said earlier that people were, making payments of, for instance, $0.80, what's an example of something they would be doing when they would be transacting in that amount?
2: Yeah, so uh, today in the app, the the average transaction size in our app is $0.27 USD. And consumers' main um, behavior is purchasing airtime, so minutes for your mobile phone.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So does that mean that then you have... Mobile carriers that are accepting dollar cryptocurrency?
2: Yes, to an extent. So we, like I said before, we've been working in Africa for nearly five years now. So we've spent a lot of time on the ground with consumers, building out partnerships with banks, financial service providers, telecom companies, You know, an array of different aggregators. What we do actually is we we work with these aggregators who work with all these telecommunications companies. We offer those products and services in our app. Um, A user is paying in the app with the dollar cryptocurrency. And then on the back end, we give the option to these providers to settle in fiat or dollar. So, if they want to accept the cryptocurrency, they can. If they would prefer to get Ugandan shillings, we will pay them in that as well.
0: And I'm assuming most of them are are opting for shillings, or
2: yes, uh, you know, and we knew that, right? That's that's the first step towards building out the ecosystem to build trust with consumers. And then to build trust with merchants and, and these different service providers. So you know, for us, the the value is is that we can at least create this ecosystem where consumers are utilizing buying the cryptocurrency and using it to, to to buy products and services. Um, you know, for the next step, then just involves showing these merchants and service providers that there's true value in the network that we've created, where they'll want to start accepting it as a form of of payment.
0: This is interesting. I just want to paint this picture. So it sounds to me like the consumers used to pay for mobile minutes and all these other things with cash, if you're saying 90% of transactions are done in cash. So that would mean, you know, going to some place in order to pay for these services. But now you're saying that they create what a mobile wallet gets some dollar and then get the wallet app and then just begin paying on their phone is that kind of the transition that we're, that your customers have gone through
2: yes and it's twofold so today consumers in most of these emerging markets have what's called mobile money so telecommunications companies enable consumers on basic feature phones to purchase value-added services like airtime and data and to send payments and so what consumers will do is they'll either go to agents so these mobile money agents who operate literally every corner of the street you take cash to them you say i need to buy some mobile data you give them the cash they send you this essentially text message and now you have it loaded onto your account um, There are other users, though, who also purchase it on their phone themselves. And so the biggest value proposition that we provide is that we're not charging you fees. So with these agents, with purchasing on your phone, with these mobile money providers, consumers pay fees that can range from five to even a 100 percent. So the smaller your transaction, the larger your fee. Uh, consumers have just been used to this system where they have, to tr- they have to pay fees on every single transaction that they make. And so for us to remove those fees is a, a very big uh, game changer in these markets, which is why we really saw this uh, viral growth so early on.
0: So it sounds like most of your users are actually using feature phones,
2: not smartphones. No. So all of our users are on smartphones. We're actually designing oh, okay. a, a feature phone solution to enable more consumers to participate in the ecosystem. But um, there's, you know, in, in emerging markets, the, the smartphone penetration is 55%. In sub-Saharan Africa, it's it's 34%. So it's growing every year. There's a, a large population who are looking for these products and services on their phone.
0: Oh, how will the system work on a feature phone?
2: Uh, you'll have to talk to my CTO about that. It's, it's a much different experience. You know, we, we've designed it around making the user experience, you know, uh, that that's obviously one of the biggest things to get adoption of cryptocurrency. It needs to be easy, understandable. Um, and so feature phones are a little bit different. There are some security things that you have to take into consideration, but um, it can work.
0: Okay. And let's go back to these numbers. Uh, you said them kind of quickly, so I don't remember if I got them correctly. The number of new wallets is you said 100,000 in a couple months?
2: Yeah, over a hundred thousand and we prop we've processed over two point five million dollar transactions. So that number is I think the most fascinating thing is that consumers, like I said, the average transaction size is twenty-seven cents. So we're we were processing so many transactions and as a small startup we we had no you know, our expectation was that we could hit a hundred thousand users or a hundred thousand wallets in, you know, three to six months. Um And it happened you know in less than two months, so that's I think that's been the most eye opening thing to us it It re, re really reiterates the massive opportunities in these markets and shows that consumers are ready to adopt these things and that they need alternative s- solutions
0: and How do you think word is getting around? Is it literally word of mouth? Or are you advertising or
2: it's so completely word of mouth we we didn't spend a dollar on you know on the ground traditional marketing services what ended up really happening for us was one we designed an incentives model so we wanted to implement a reward system that incentivize Behaviors that we were looking for. So, when you purchase cryptocurrency, we want to incentivize that behavior. When you transact, we want to incentivize that behavior. When we provide savings, we want to incentivize holding the cryptocurrency. So, the the cool thing is, is really, we can design the system to reward consumers for those behaviors that actually enhance the overall dollar network um, and everyone's who part, who is participating in it. And so you know, the growth really happened in large part because of the value proposition of zero fees, but also because consumers were getting rewarded to participate.
0: And I'm sorry, you said Walla is the one that's incentivizing those behaviors?
2: Yeah. So Dala Provide, the Dala Foundations has set aside uh, a set amount of tokens to provide rewards to the overall network. So that includes um, Walla as the first a partner in this ecosystem and any other partners that we bring on to help incentivize growth in the overall network.
0: And how do you plan to? Because it feels like right now maybe it's somewhat centralized, unless are, are there other companies that are building on Dala?
2: So we're working with a number of other partners in the agricultural space and um, the solar energy space. So we're, you know, Wall is obviously. The main use case today, but for us, the important thing is right. Wall and Dollar are totally separate entities. If there's a competitor to Walla that comes um, to the market that wants to use Dollar, we want to make sure that that company can start transacting with Dollar and get providing it to their to their users. So for us, it's really about growing this ecosystem. Africa, it's a billion consumers, 54 countries where, you know, this continent's just the first step for us. We want to expand to Asia, Latin and America. And so there's need for more and more players to come into the space to start utilizing this asset um, in order for the network to continue to grow.
0: One last question before I move on to another topic I about numbers. I wanted to ask about the 100,000 wallets and 2.5 million transactions, how many transactions are individual users doing on average per month or week or whatever?
2: So initially we were seeing that um, consumers in the first few months, a lot of the users were transacting about three times a day. So that would include, in in, in, transaction, it can include earning a reward, purchasing cryptocurrency, Purchasing products and services with that crypto and sending peer to peer payments. So the, the active level was really, really high. Um, we just have to, like I said, we're continue to add more products and services so that we can keep expanding the network and add more and more value to these users.
0: You talked about how you want to expand out to Asia and Latin America. So it sounds like you have a real focus on emerging markets, but I know a lot of entrepreneurs in this space tend to focus on North America because that's the biggest market, at least dollars wise. Why are you choosing to focus on emerging markets?
2: So it's, there's a number of reasons, but mainly emerging markets have the greatest opportunities in the world. You know, that these markets are dealing with some of the greatest problems from financial industry to healthcare education, lack of infrastructure. And that's where we see true opportunity. Africa has the fastest growing middle class in the world. You know, Spending is increasing, education, uh, jobs are being created. So we really see that where the problems are, where consumers are actively looking for alternative solutions. And we're true believers that crypto is going to start a financial revolution in Africa, and it will be the first continent to really adopt uh, this type of technology and start changing the way things operate. And, you know, I'm I'm American. I I moved to Africa. Uh, you know, I've been working in their, the continent for over five years. But as an American, I, you know, I have access to all these services. My banking is great. I operate in USD, which is a really strong currency. I don't deal with the same problems that the rest of the world does. So I don't see a need to start utilizing crypto Um, to solve problems that don't really exist for me. And that's really, I think, the most important thing and why people should start looking at emerging markets more.
0: Interesting. Well, it's been great having you on Unconfirmed. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about the topics we discussed, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast episode. New episodes of Unconfirmed come out every Friday. If you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Elaine Zelby, Fractal Recording, Jenny Josephson, and Daniel Nuss. Thanks for listening.